As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by Heavy Metal Crayons. From the same heathens that brought you jazzy gel pens and mariachi markers, try brand new Heavy Metal Crayons. Why color with boring old red when you can use lamb's blood or demon horn? Chant your vengeful mantras and pine for terminal desolation while using the all-new fire and flame shade of orange. We've even managed to identify the colors of anarchy and torture. Also, be sure to try the new Prince of Darkness edition, which is just 666 shades of black, including abyss, witch hunt, sin, and eternal damage. Damnation. Heavy metal crayons. Patent pending. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, and yes, sir, you know I got to get paid. High five, back to right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, and yes, sir, you know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, back to right, looking to the sun. Twenty-five lighters for my twenty-five folks. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by our friends, mybookie.ag if ever you look to place an online wager for any sporting event whether that be if Ronald Acuna is going to lead off the game in the home run whether Ozzy Albies is going to steal another base whether Acuna is going to go 30-30 you can find it on mybookie.ag college football season is almost upon us which means it's almost time to place your bets for opening weekend in college football so if you want to put some money on that Oregon Auburn game mybookie.ag has it there they've got all the best lines all the most updated lines so you know when you're getting the best line on a game on a particular prop whatever it may be mybookie.ag is the place to go Fast and easy customer service. If you ever got a question, make sure you go to mybookie.ag. Their customer service is second to none. And if you use our promo code BRAVES25, you will receive a 50% deposit match on your initial deposit. So you throw in 100 bucks, they're going to throw in 50 and you're going to have even more money to play with. Mybookie.ag, play, win, and have a great time. All right. We're kind of doing this old school style, so yes, Boggy, I know our our audio is going to be a little bit different than it is in normal weeks. Uh, apologies, it is a later day. I started a new job, so Thursdays are a little bit more hectic, which we are recording on a Thursday. Uh, we should be back to normal in the coming weeks, so bear with us for this week. Um, real quick rundown, we're going to have some fun stuff to talk about with the, uh, w- with with some potential Braves trades and some, some uh, burning questions. In the second segment, it is our first patron episode, and Megan will be joining us in the second segment but before we dig into anything else there is a special shout out that needs to go down today 
If you guys are on Twitter, you guys know Brave Steva. That is Tara. Uh, she is one of our absolute favorite people on the entire app, and not just because she's a patron. She is hilarious and awesome, and her son plays at Saginaw Valley State University, who hit his first home run today. So congratulations to Connor. I'm going to see if I can get this right. Connor Sonier. That is uh, that is the name, I believe. I have it spelled phonetically for myself, so I can make sure I got it right. So congratulations, Connor. Hoping to see a whole lot more as he is... Uh, Kind of adopted into the Braves fan by way of Tara, who is everybody's favorite. So congratulations, Connor. Now, Doc, we had some other stuff that we were going to open this show with, uh, but you just threw some breaking news on me, and I think we should talk about that right away. All right. Uh, would you like to read this tweet to everybody, or would you like me to read this tweet to everybody? I'd rather hear your dulcet tones. Ooh, they're dulcet all of a sudden. Okay, so... Andy Martino, uh, who uh, works for the SMY Network, uh, he's tapped into the Yankees and the Mets, uh, just said that the Mets have sent Omar Minaya to scout the Braves' double-A team tonight. The Braves have the prospect depth to match up on Cindergard, Wheeler, and Diaz. End tweet. Now, this is particularly interesting because Ian Anderson just so happens to be starting for Mississippi tonight. So um, he's absolutely right that the that the Braves uh, have the prospect depth to match up on those guys, uh, truthfully, to, to match up with, with anybody. But, um, you know, Ian Anderson, one of the top-rated pitchers, not just in the system but in the game right now, uh, at double-A, he's shown out really well. But if I can quote our buddy, uh, Braves pro- or Prospects Braves, Jeff, um, you know, Ian Anderson is kind of what you hope Noah Syndergaard is eventually going to become. So this market has been really slow, really slow to develop. Uh, teams are asking way, way too much for for believers, so God only knows what they're asking for for starters. And I'm sure that as we get closer to the trade deadline next Wednesday, that isn't going to normalize at least a little bit. But what are what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you you would give up Ian Anderson for Noah Syndergaard? I'm I'm nearly positive of this. First thoughts are um, Thor going to be a Brave, so I'm going to go ahead and get my Thor Braves jersey, uh, or it could be Zach Wheeler, but it will be one of the two. And you can throw in Edwin Diaz along with it. Uh, but more seriously, um, what would I give up for Cindergard? This is an interesting question. This is one that um, Andy and I talked about last season. You and I have talked about it for a while, and usually it revolves around would you rather have Jacob DeGrom or Noah Cindergard? Uh, and I think unanimously, talent-wise, people say DeGrom, but the price tag on Thor would generally be easier to get, and I think Thor had, Thor had more control last year. I think Thor's got two more years, I believe. Is it two or is it looking one? That, looking that up right now. Uh, but yes, if you're asking me, would I give up Ian Anderson if it got me Noah Syndergaard? Absolutely. Uh, there's not, and this is with, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm of the belief that Noah Syndergaard is a top three arm in all of baseball. Pure pitching talent. Noah Syndergaard is one of the top three best pitchers in all of baseball. More talented than Garrett Cole, more talented than Justin Verlander. He's right up there with Scherzer. Uh, and. He's right up there with Scherzer and DeGrom, who I would think are probably my my other one and two as far as talent. I know there's some good AL pitchers. Uh, Chris Sale comes to mind, too, but I think Syndergaard is right up there with Sale. And uh, I would give up a ton for him. I know there's been some injury history, but it's the Mets, and that entire team is cursed. Their city is called Flushing. They were built on an Indian burial ground. They're the most cursed team in Major League Baseball. I mean, you got hand, foot, and mouth disease, for God's sake. We know that there's something different going on there. 
I think that once he gets out of New York, he's going to take off and explode. And if the Braves are able to get that type of guy, then I would have no problems giving up Ian Anderson. I'd give up Drew Waters. The only one that I, the only prospect in this Brave system that I just would not give unless it was some outrageous, insane, like I'm getting Max Scherzer or I'm getting DeGrom or I'm getting Mike Trout, let's say, uh, or, you know, a couple others of that same tier, the God tier, if you will. Those are the only guys I'd trade Pache for. Now, Waters is amazing. And I fully believe Waters is going to be an all-star in the big leagues. But I'd give him up if it, if it meant getting Noah Syndergaard. Uh, and if, if the Braves could swing it and get Syndergaard and Diaz with only giving up one of Ian Anderson or Drew Waters, not giving up both of them, I'd probably swing a trade if I got both of them and I'd need some other stuff thrown in. But if you're talking about getting those two types of arms, which fix the two biggest problems on this team, you can have Drew Waters or Ian Anderson, either one. It's the interdivision tax is going to be the biggest thing here. And we talked about this. We actually talked about, you know, a hypothetical deal for Mike Trout last year. I'm pretty sure that we were desperate for content because we knew that that was never going to happen. But that was before the uh, that was before his contract extension. So that would never happen. But the, the talking point that I had on that was, you know, you're sacrificing two years or two and a half years, however much he had left on that deal worth of Trout for like, 30 years worth of prospects that you would wind up getting out of these other guys. And, but you can almost kind of look the other way on something like that because he's in the AL West and the, the Braves face the angels once every couple of years. Now with the Mets, it's different because you see him 19 times and guys like Ian Anderson and drew waters. These guys are very close. You know, you're in, these guys are in double a it's not, completely unrealistic to assume that either of them are going to wind up sniffing the big leagues uh, by this point next year, uh, sooner possibly. So it would hurt, but a guy like Syndergaard, you know, top of rotation guys, this is where it's where the interesting point of the trade deadline where, where guys that weren't like publicly available are starting to starting to suddenly become available. So um, I would give up a lot for him as well. You know, the, the ERA is bad, but the it's uh, 433, but the fifth looks like it's 364. So playing with in front of that Mets defense has not really done him any favors. What's favorite. the Sierra, Doc? I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm still coming around to it. And also the, there's, the internet in this room is terrible. So um, but by the time somebody listens to this on Friday, they will have a better chance of being able to, to look up what a Sierra is than I do. Um, right this second but yeah i mean and edwin diaz would be would certainly be a a sell low from from the Mets standpoint because he has just imploded but there is a lot of talent there as well so uh the sierra is 4.16 okay so i finally got to the stats not the best of sierras but again playing with that Mets team and that's that thor is a guy that i fully believe in i know he hasn't had the best success this season alone i don't care uh, that's the type of arm you you know that he hasn't hit some weird peak. I get him out of there, and I trust that the FIP is a little bit more is a little bit more realistic of, of what he's been this season. That Mets defense is just atrocious. We talk about it with Zach Wheeler, where I believe Zach Wheeler has like the second biggest split between his ERA and his FIP in all of baseball. I think there's a lot of that goes on with Syndergaard too. And when you're on a team that is just that cursed and just sucks that badly, it really does kind of play a role in how you pitch like don't everybody kind of talks about Shelby Miller like don't forget Shelby Miller went on that stretch 
where the Braves, I don't, what was it, 20 games or something where he didn't get a, uh, didn't get a win? At least it, it was a ton of games where he pitched incredibly and just couldn't buy a win. Yeah, that I mean, those were very lean years as far as offense goes, and and the defense wasn't wasn't particularly great either. So, you you do kind of have to look at it and say, what can we? You saw what happened last year with Gossman. They're like, we've got some tweaks in mind already. We think that we could take this and we could turn what he's doing now into something better. So, the Mets are. You know they're a running joke. They're they're legitimately the only franchise that I hate, and and I don't really have any reason to anymore, other than the fact that that they're the Mets. But um, they they have too much pride to fully tear down. But this that would be a big step for them. They they need to do some rebuilding. They were trying to to push their chips in, and and they made some really bad trades this last year. This would allow them to to recoup that a little bit. So. Uh, it could be in everybody's best interest. Now, this this could all just be due diligence. We could be, we could be just talking about this because it's something that happened just before the show, and he, you know, your center guard Braves jersey might wind up being a collector's item because it'd be the only one of its kind. But uh, I, I kind of get the feeling that this is going to wind up leading to another thing. The we talked last week about do you add a starter or do you add a reliever, and I think we both agreed that the Braves need to add a reliever. But now. Excuse me, we, we both said that they need to add a starter. But in lieu of what happened in the last week, a couple bullpen implosions, Jacob Webb is not right yet. Do you still agree with that? Or do you think that adding a starter just add all of the starters and then you know you just kind of figure it out from there? I still think a starter is the most important. Uh, just because a starter is going to provide you more value than a reliever. Now, I'm not saying I, if it were up to me, you'd be getting both. Now, if you guys listen to the Locked On show that I do, and yes, Ashley and Candy, it's my show, not Gabe Burns' show. I had Gabe on as a guest. Um, you heard Gabe talking. He didn't. He doesn't think that the Braves are, are really going to overpay. Now, this is before news broke that Thor was available, um, but it didn't. He didn't think they were going to overpay for guys like Bumgarner and Will Smith. Which, if you're talking about Bumgarner and Will Smith, I think that's correct. Um, but the Braves are at this point where we all know how talented they are. We all think that there's a large window. But Doc, you and I have watched enough baseball to know that just because you believe a window is open doesn't mean that it's going to stay open. Well, and the the term was waves. Copy wanted wave after wave after wave. But the way that everybody was pitching last year, they got mega aggressive and they kind of compromised the wave a little bit. You know, they they kind of put themselves in a position to where there's there is going to be a gap there. And I know that they're they were working to correct that. But now is kind of the time to strike They're The Braves, even even with their kind of recent swoon, if you can even call it a swoon, because it's like eight games, um, they're still the second best team in the national league, you know, part of the time when it looks like, you know, I've, I've seen people say, Oh, you know, the, the Braves haven't played anybody better than them. That's because there's only one team in the national league. That's better than them. They're playing down to their competition in a lot of spots. So, um, this would be a really good opportunity to, to make some type of splash, whether it's Thor or Diaz or Wheeler or somebody else. But I think that, uh, 
it would be very interesting full circle. You know, we had talked about Matt Boyd, Alex Anthopoulos, when he was with the Blue Jays, he traded Matt Boyd. When Anthopoulos was the GM of the Blue Jays, he traded Noah Syndergaard. So uh, one of those has the opportunity to come full circle. Make it right. the, The way that things have gone, you know, Kevin Gossman just came off the injured list, had his first start, and I think that all, all of us were really nervous and kind of skeptical about the fact that, you know, he added these two pitches, and like he was going for like two months, and it's like, oh yeah, I, I'm comfortable using two new pitches. And it's like, if it worked that way, I think that more pitchers would do it like that. But he came back, he looked great, and he shut down a Nationals offense that has been playing pretty well. And, you know, he's going to get the chance to make another start before the trade deadline, but I'm glad, too, because he doesn't really – one start is not nearly enough. He did look great. He was still throwing 95, 96. Uh, he, he did throw his cutter. You know, he only allowed uh, one run, I believe, and he, he looked as good as, as he has since last year. And Freed is supposed to be coming back, too. But I, there, there's still some questions. Even even Fulty. Even Fulty's been performing well down in Gwinnett. Hasn't given up a home run in any of the four starts. Uh, since he's been down there, his ERA is like 264, I think, since he's been down there. But there's still – there are holes that, that need to be need to be plugged here. So they're in a position to do so. They've got the prospect capital. I think Anthopoulos, after last year, uh, he knows that, that last year was, was very um, – not not necessarily lucky, but but still – Still somewhat ahead of schedule, and I I don't think that they that's why that they were the uh, they were willing to give up Gene Carlos Encarnacion and Brett Cumberland as like the marquee prospects of that deal to get Gossman. So this year I think it's different. I think that you could wind up seeing somebody get moved. There there will be a move, even if, if it's not something massive, even if it's just to just to shore up the bullpen, or um, something's gonna happen. But I I'm kind of selfish. I'm I want I want a splashy move. You know, you and, and me and both. Also to, to, to close the loop on something before, it's uh, Cindergard has two years after this one. So if the Braves trade for him, they'd get him for three pennant races. Mm-hmm. Ah, I, I've got to try to calm down because I'm known to get overly excited. It doesn't necessarily mean it's Thor. We know the Braves have checked in on, on Zach Wheeler as well, and it could just as easily be Zach Wheeler. And if it was Wheeler, you, then Drew Waters would be safe. Um, but you were telling me something about Ian Anderson today that I don't think a lot of our listeners know. And it's not it's not necessarily to paint a bad light on Ian Anderson just because we know now that Thor is available. This is something that uh, that that had been kind of talked about for a while and with the Braves particularly high in the analytics department, especially with Mike Fast being uh, an assistant to the GM or essentially being a second assistant GM. Um Ian Anderson doesn't have high spin rates, which if you're not into spin rates, fine. There are certainly really good pitchers in the league that don't have elite spin rates. But the Astros had a had a very particular theme with their guys, and that was high spin rate stuff. And while Ian is, is I believe, number seven or eight overall in terms of right-handed pitchers, in prospect uh, prospect pools, he might even be higher than that. Uh, he does not have particularly high spin rates, and especially his curveball. Yeah, and uh, it's not just that it's kind of low. I, the last I said, it was like 1,800, 1,750, somewhere around there. And and this is, this is all hearsay. I have not seen this. This is through um, 
this is a giant game of telephone, but through somebody who apparently has um, has access to TrackMan data. And you're right. The when Fast was was a very integral part of of helping to to build that Astros team that wound up winning the World Series. And there was a particular particular profile of pitcher uh, that that they like to go after. And he doesn't really fit that. Now that aside, Ian Anderson is getting dynamite results especially recently like the the fact that he struggled with walks earlier in the year was uh that really kind of swayed his numbers in the wrong direction but if you look over his last couple of starts he has just been dynamite so far tonight uh two innings three strikeouts no base runners whatsoever so he's he's got the stuff to get guys out and you know depending on whether you buy into spin rate or not, this might be an absolutely ludicrous conversation that, that we're having at this point. But when you look at the depth of the Braves system, regardless of what you've seen from Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, you know, there's a lot of really, really high upside talent in the high levels of the minors for the Braves. And a lot of the, the surplus, if you will, is directly related to right-handed pitching. And, and so if they're going to deal from any particular pool, that's the one that you want them to deal from. And you could get the most value for Ian Anderson. And I'm not necessarily advocating for them to do that, but it is worth, it is worth considering that you still have Kyle Wright, who is only 23. You have Bryce Wilson, who's only 21. And both of them have pitched in the majors. Bryce having pitched better than Kyle. So I don't know that when we record next Wednesday, the, one of those, one of those names might not even be with this organization anymore. I'm gonna be on HUD. I'm gonna be on hug watch for the Mets. I'm gonna see. I'm actually gonna have to watch Mets games now. Don't do that. I Don't never thought I'd yourself. be at this place. You know, you're gonna wind up getting hand, foot, mouth disease. <laughs> Probably, but if it, look, I will bite that bullet if I get Thor here in a Braves uniform. I don't buy jerseys. I I'm gonna buy a Max Free jersey. I will buy a a Noah Syndergaard jersey. I, I don't think you're un, I don't think you guys really understand like the levels of hype that I am right now and how how much I'm, try, I'm trying to control it. We have to move on from this because I could keep talking about this for for two hours. And we actually this was just breaking news. This isn't even what we plan to talk about. So before I get dragged too far into this and push Megan off way too late for the second segment, I want to move on to what I what what else I think is probably the most important thing going through Braves fans' minds right now. And that is, yes, they lost a two-game set to the Royals, which I don't count as a sweep. Two-game sets are as dumb as four-game sets. It's not a sweep. It doesn't count. Uh, but you did lose two in a row uh, to a really, really bad baseball team that has some fun players but is a piss-poor team. And the Nationals right now look like they've totally turned it around. They dug themselves into such a big hole, but they've cut the lead down to four games as of this moment in time. Doc, how are you feeling about the Nationals? The, the Nationals were my pick to win the NL East coming into this year. And that wasn't because I, I thought that the Braves were going to be bad by any means. I just thought that they were going to be playing much closer to to the team that they've been for the last two months than the, who they were for the first two months. Um, but if you do a little digging about what they've done, yeah, they they love oh, their Twitter loves to throw out. Oh, we've been the best team in baseball since May the twenty fourth. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because allow me to regale you with how they did that. They won a series against the Marlins. They won a two game set against the Braves and then against the Reds. Then they beat the White Sox, split with the Padres, split with the White Sox, split with the Diamondbacks. 
None of these teams, with the exception of the Braves, are particularly good teams. After that, they beat the Phillies, lost to the Braves, and then they took six straight series from the Marlins, Tigers, Marlins, Royals, Phillies, and Orioles. Then they split with the Braves, and they're going to win the series with the Rockies because they won the first three, but they're down 8-7 in the ninth inning right now. So of all of those teams that I listed, they beat the Marlins three times. They beat the Tigers, who sucked once. They beat the Royals, who sucked once. They beat the Phillies, who kind of suck twice they split i mean none of these you know they're not beating the dodgers they're not going out and beating teams that are like really surging so they're a good team they have killer pitching they just got max scherzer back but they their bullpen is if i mean you saw it on display last weekend their bullpen is just as bad as ours and dave martinez his players have made him look like a better manager than he is but whatever was going on in that Friday night game where he left Rodney in for the ninth inning, what are you doing, Dave Martinez? Why would you do that? Like even Brian Snitker is going, man, this guy's bullpen is trash. <laughs> that's so, that's the true mark of it right there. By the way, not to interrupt, um, but Brody Van Wagenen's chief lieutenant is actually out scouting Gwinnett right now. So <laughs> there's there's definitely something brewing with the Mets. Interesting. Kyle Wright is starting for the Mets tonight. If I'm uh, excuse excuse me, Rodian Slip. He's starting. It's Tukey uh, starting. Uh, it's Tukey starting for Gwinnett tonight, right? I thought it was thought it was right. The, the internet in this room is still terrible. That hasn't changed. I don't know. I'm gonna have to minutes. check that. I thought it was Tukey, but I could be wrong. Um, it looks like it's right, but but so I mean, no, the Nationals I, are a good team. But we we know that they've got good pieces, and we we knew that coming into this. But um, I. I don't buy the fact that, like, yeah, the Braves Braves lost two game series to the Royals. And I've had a lot of people who've come to me and been like, oh, you called them lowly. You did this. First of all, I'm not the only person that realized coming into this that the Royals are terrible. If I was in a position to rewrite that preview, I would say every single thing exactly the same way. What happened is the, the Braves, who are who were 19 games above 500 coming into it, lost a two-game set to a team whose winning percentage starts with a three. You can't lose those games, but the Braves did. And so it makes it kind of magnifies everything that's been going on coming up to this. Donaldson's hot, Acuna's hot, and Albies is is kind of hot, but everybody else is kind of lagging behind. Nick Marcakis is now in Ciarte, and he's grounding out to second base every time, it seems like. So, But if you look at it since the All-Star break, Braves are 6-6. Six and six. If they went 7-5 and five over that same span, if they'd won one of those games, which... The first game against the Royals where, where Swarzak finally had a bad outing, the first out of like 21, then, then they would be 7-5, and five, and their winning percentage over that time would be 7, excuse me, would be 583. If you look at the Braves record right now, before the season, over 103 games, their winning percentage is 583. So you can't overreact to too small of a sample size. Do you, do you need to win those games? Sure. But... You know, the starting pitching in both of those games was really, really good. And for, for something that has been a huge question mark, Dallas Keuchel striking out 12. And Julio, I was at the game last night. Julio, I mean, I was sitting in the 400, so I couldn't really diagnose, like, his movement. My vision is trash. So, um, you know, he pitched well. And the only two runs that came across were unearned. And he somehow allowed Brad Keller to reach twice, which I, I could write a dissertation on my feelings about the Braves pitchers allowing other teams' pitchers to reach base. I don't know how that keeps happening. But this weekend, 
in Philadelphia, and then after that series in Washington, not do or die, but we'll call it pivotal. This is a pivotal road trip that they are going on right now. I would absolutely agree. I think I don't think it's it's hyperbole to say that this might be the biggest road series uh, or the the biggest road stretch of the season for the Braves. This road trip, you're going to go to Philly, then you're going to go to Washington, and a four game lead. It seems like you know, oh, cool, it's it's a full series. It's really not a lot of games, especially with how much time we have left. This is an absolutely critical road trip for the Braves to to put that lead back up there and get the momentum going right. Yeah, I mean, and right right this second, it's still it's still eight seven in the ninth of this Washington game. Four and a half seems like way way more than three and a half. You can you can deal with that. So, and the national schedule, they're going to wind up playing the Dodgers here in a minute. So we'll get a much better. A much better gauge of how good of a team they actually are, but you got to you got to at least split on these. You know, ideally you take four out of six from these team outside of the first season of the the excuse me first series of the season. Braves have played pretty well against Philadelphia, and of the last nine games, the the Braves and Nats have have gone uh, the Nats have gone five and four against the Braves. So uh, it's about equal, and the, this past series against Washington was kind of huge just because they wound up taking days off the calendar and then even for as well as the Nats have been playing they weren't able to pick up a lot of ground now if the Braves hadn't gone 22 and 8 in June or whatever it was then the Nats could be much closer so you you gotta get the the offense working again part of this part of it's Austin Riley he's really looking lost right this second and can't help but notice that as soon as Ender Enciarte came back, that the offense just completely well, regressed. With Riley, by the way, I wanted called. to I wanted to point this out to you. Sorry to interrupt, but we're running short on time. Um, and I, I really want to get this point to you to see about your eyes on it as well. Uh, when you're watching Austin Riley, I'm really seeing it looks like his front hip he's his front hips flying open almost the same way do you remember when we played philly the the second series that we played them and so what was it in may and everybody w- was just absolutely dumping on bryce harper and how bad he was playing by the way he's turned it around since unfortunately um but everybody was talking about his hips flying open if you look yeah, at oh yeah. look at austin riley swings it looks like the exact same just from the right hand side his hips are flying open on everything and he's not able to catch up on the outside now he's missing fastballs on the inside which is not something that he should normally be doing so the the braves got to do something with austin they got to figure they got to get him right because if he's not going to be a fixture in this lineup then i think that drastically changes what the braves can do come the postseason let me ask you this, and and I have been so resistant to this idea all season because I was just. What do you do with Adam Duvall? You know, you look at Ender Inciarte, you're you're not getting you're not getting offense, but you are getting the defense. You look at Austin Riley, his defense is not necessarily bad in left, but you're not getting the offense there either. Now, Adam Duvall, he was an all star in Cincinnati. Okay, so the fact that he is raking down in AAA that does not surprise me. And like like I said, he. You better be, but do you take a shot? I mean, because what do you? Because left field is like a hole right now. I it, it's hard to say uh, because 
with all the numbers in AAA this year, I'm taking with the grain of salt because it is the first year with a new baseball. So, and I know it doesn't sound like that makes that big of a difference. I really think it might. Now, I do think Duvall could absolutely help this team, particularly when Austin is struggling as much as he is. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I would, and I don't want to say this because I've been so resistant to this, but the Braves are, are in the thick of an actual pennant race. So I might send Austin back down, call up Duvall, and see if he can give you some offense. Now, he's before anybody freaks out, if he comes up, he's not going to hit like 300. He's a guy who's going to hit about 240, 250. Because he'll strike out a ton at the big league level. But going by what he normally does in his career, he's going to give you what you're hoping to get out of Austin Riley, who's just not doing it right now. And then if Austin gets turned around and starts hitting again, then you can revisit the issue. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I'm at too. Like, I, And I know that the way that he's going to get better at, at hitting big league off-speed stuff is is continued exposure. But they're not a, in a position to just kind of let him figure it out right now because of what's happening to the offense. And, you know, Mike Trout got sent down when he was a rookie, you know, and not, this is not to say that Austin Riley is Mike Trout, but it is to say that some guys come up and they can be hot, but then the book is out on him. Throw him something off speed. Throw him something a couple inches off the plate. He's going to swing at it anyway. His his chase rate, his strikeout rate, everything is just spiking, spiking, spiking. So, and and this isn't to say that, that he's not going to be able to figure it out, but he does look lost. I'm not by any means giving up on him. I just would really, really like to get that those June feels back. You know that because it was like. Every day you show up, it's like, yeah, we're going to hang eight on somebody. I don't even know who the who the starting pitcher is for the other team. We're going to wind up hanging eight on them. So, um, Duvall has 29 home runs through July the 25th. And like I said, he needs to be doing that down there. But the fact that he hasn't relented, I was very skeptical of what he was doing down there. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's worth a shot. Gold Glove winner, former All-Star, then... You know, Austin Riley's hitting like 140 over the last 40 games or however much it is. So throw the shot. I mean, it's definitely an interesting situation. They're going to have to figure something out. Hopefully he can get going here in this next series, but um, we'll see how it goes. We are running out of time for this segment. So one other thing, um, Doc, I don't know if you've been abreast of the situation, but I would advise you to go uh, look at Eric O'Flaherty and Arotis Vizcaino. Um there's some things happening on the timeline that uh, there's some smoke going on right there between those two. Okay, I will investigate. I'll send it to you. I just wanted to mention it. Um, but seriously, in all, in all hopes and prayers, please let the Braves get Thor or Wheeler. If they do add one of those pitchers and Diaz comes along for the ride, then it kind of does exactly what you and I were talking about. And I still think the Nationals are an extremely talented team. That's why I think and I think most of Braves country would agree with me, you have to trade something. You have to do something here at the deadline. And the little small deals, they're not really going to cut it. Because I And I, I will go to the grave thinking the Braves were kind of blindsided this year at how bad the young guys, Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson and Tuki Toussaint, I think they were kind of blindsided how – how badly they adjusted in this first taste of big league action. I thought, I think they, they were counting on them being a lot better. So this might be a time where you see the Braves be a little bit more aggressive than they would have previously. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And, and I think, I think everybody knows that the feel is different 
this year than it was last year. So expect something, but you know, if, if something like something huge doesn't happen, then, you know, don't, don't go setting foam tomahawks on fire uh, or, or anything like, or real tomahawks on fire for that matter. So just hang in there. We still, it's been a long season so far and there's still like 59 games left to go. Still, still a long season. We're going to see what happens with this trade deadline. Speaking of which, we're also going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, it'll be our first ever patron episode. Megan popped our cherry. We're going to return the favor. Coming up next right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero podcast is brought to you by the Coalition for Combined Literature. Do you find yourself wanting to read the classics, but you just don't have the time? Well, worry no more. Our flagship program fuses popular works into an easily digestible format. See what happens when Dr. Seuss and Harper Lee combine for that new tale of Yuletide justice, How Atticus Finch Stole Christmas. And who can forget Edgar Allan Poe and Arthur Miller synthesizing two of their most famous stories and getting Mask of the Red Death of a Salesman. You'll discover all kinds of fantasy lands in books such as Cloud Atlas Shrugged, Gone Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Wheel of Time Machine, and Brave New World According to Garp. Stay tuned for next year when we unveil our first marriage of movies and television with Godzilla's Island, the Coalition for Combined Literature. Patent pending. I was the one you always dreamed of You were the one I tried to draw How dare you say it's nothing to me Baby, you're the only light I ever saw I make the most of all the sadness You'll be a bitch because you can Try to hit me just to hurt me So you leave me feeling dirty Cause you can't understand We're going down And you can see it too We're going down And you know that we don't My dear, we're slow dancing Hey everybody, welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero, Dylan Doc. And joining us today is our good friend and our first patron, our cherry popper, if you will, Megan. Megan, how are you doing? I am so great. I'm so thankful to be here right now. This is a big deal. This is the first time we've had a patron on the show. I should also mention that the show is sponsored by uh, SeatGeek, which if you haven't used it yet, I don't know what's been wrong with you. SeatGeek is the number one app for all of your ticket buying purchases. If you use their their app or their website, they color code all the tickets so you know what's a good seat, what's a bad seat. Green is good. Yellow is okay. Red means stay away. It's not just for buying tickets. You can use it when you're selling as well. It'll tell you what you should be charging for where your seat is at and for what event it happens to be. SeatGeek.com, life's an event, and we have the tickets. And, by the way, if you use our promo code ACAA, they're going to give you $20 off at checkout. That's like two beers at a ballpark. That's not nothing. SeatGeek.com, life's an event, we have the tickets. Okay, with that out of the way, I should hey, mention... I have some John Mayer tickets up on SeatGeek if y'all want to hit them up. Look at that. They're on sale. What do, you, yeah. what do you got John Mayer tickets for? I thought you were going to Mayer. Well, I only have one. I have one ticket for sale because I'm a loser, so... Okay. Now, see, Doc, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Megan is as big a fan of John Mayer as you are of Fish. That is quite a statement. That is that really is quite a statement. <laughs> I uh, now I can I can totally appreciate the uh, the rabid fandom. I actually um, there's there's also John Mayer has kind of found his way into uh, into the periphery of my vision. Like I liked him like all the way back in the days of like. Inside wants out, room for squares, 
all that time right. ago, and and anymore, he's he's playing in Dead and Company with the uh, with the living members of the Grateful Dead. So he's kind of infiltrated his way in, into the jam scene. So pretty interesting career arc for uh, for him there. A very underrated guitarist as well. Thank you. I'm glad you appreciate that. Most people do. Don't. It's just you know your body is a wonderland. I, if I'm being honest, I don't like that song. Neither. It's my least favorite, but let's not go there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I should also mention... Uh, We've got something really cool to announce today. We just figured, we just found this out yesterday. For those of you who have been wondering about a TPS merchandise line, starting in September, you're going to be able to get platinum sombrero shirts, maybe even some hats. We're going to be rolling out a merchandise line. Finally, I know we've been lazy and on and behind the eight ball here, but our sponsors and our our good team over at Armchair All Americans is going to start up a merchandise line starting in September. You'll just go to armchairallamericans.com. You'll be able to go to the store and see our shirts and all of that stuff. Hopefully, we'll see the TPS Army out in force at SunTrust Park one day. Uh, we have also not ruled out doing some slightly uh, more unconventional uh, merchandise. You will be able to get uh, TPS trash bags or uh, TPS sponges or uh, you know any any number of things. So we will be able to infiltrate every every corner of your life. We're we're about to corner the market on everything. We're going to be everywhere. You know how you build a brand like Kiss? Like uh, everybody knows that Kiss was actually pretty horrible as a band like they kind of suck at everything like gene simmons is not good he's not a good bass player either but because they were everywhere people thought they were good well that's going to happen here too i mean i'm wearing they peter chris's, i'm wearing peter chris's makeup right now so you know last week was the suit and i had, I had to change it up for i had to change it up for this week obviously all right, so let's dive in here with Megan because this should be a whole lot of fun. I am really excited about this, by the way. When we decided that we were going to do this, I have been <laughs> excited for the last few days to get to have Megan on here. Uh, first things first, Megan, let's get a little bit of background. Were you a sporty type yourself or, or just more of a, uh, a, a fan? Oh, my God. Dad it was actually a high school baseball coach and football coach, so... I was basically a little boy playing sports until I was like 18. So it's in my blood. That means you made it longer than Doc did, by the way, because Doc, uh, Doc flared out early, right? <laughs> Dude, I, as soon as I left the country, I mean, I was already bad. And then I went to a place where I don't even know if they'd heard of baseball. So by the time I got back and tried to play again, I was, I was literally the worst. So, yeah, you probably would, are a much better baseball player than I am. Yeah, I played softball. Um, I was a pitcher, and I played for. But after high school, I mean, that's when it stopped. I wasn't that good, guys. Let's not get carried away. So, it's okay. I mean, any any time we have somebody on that was better than Doc, I get to kind of laugh at him. Since Doc is is everybody's favorite anyway, and everybody just loves Doc. Any chance I have to like get something up over on him, kind of does wonders for my ego. So, thank you, thank you for that. Do what you need to do. I mean, I am I am painfully honest about my shortcomings. So, <laughs> Doc's the everyman. Um, so let, let's get to the Braves just a little bit. Um, the Braves have been in a very cold stretch lately. We talked about it in the first segment before you came on. Uh, but I, want, I wanted to ask you, are you um, how worried are you about this cold stretch right now? Um, to be completely honest, I'm not really that worried. 
Um, we've got a lot of big series coming up. Still got to play the Phillies a lot. Still got to play the Nats a lot. Um, let's just hang in there. I believe. Okay. I mean, you're not pressing the panic button, which makes me wonder how you can be on Braves Twitter if you're not pressing the panic button. Um, no, I know. <laughs> that's a very logical yeah. take. Uh, I think I might be more worried than anybody else on this show, which is good because I'm not super worried myself. Um, huh. I mean, pitching, you know, I'm a little bullpen. Uh, you know, let's go through that again. Um, I, it's beating a dead horse, honestly. I don't know. But it's a problem all over baseball. It's not just the Braves. Um, everybody's both shambles right now. So that makes me feel a little better, honestly. That's a really good point. I mean, you look at a team like the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers are pretty much the class of the National League. And and even their bullpen has had a decent amount of cratering going on this year, too. So, you know, we we are very exposed to, to the weaknesses in the, in the Braves' bullpen. And Jacob Webb being out obviously hurts because it opens the door for, for Wes Parsons uh, to come in and, and do what happened the other night. But, oh, uh, but you mean yeah, hit a guy I mean, in the dick? You mean hit a guy straight up in the dick? Well, yeah. I mean, that was that was not the best pitch I've ever seen him throw. We'll just we'll just put it that way. But, I felt uh, so but, bad. Well, it, I would. The whole thing was painful to watch, but like metaphorically painful. Seeing that, like I actually winced. Like, oh my god! And at first, I thought he hit him in the abdomen. But uh, but um, so we don't wind up talking about Humberto Ortega's dick for too much longer. Um, you know, the bullpens just in general are like they're failed starters. So you're, you're going to see see stuff where it's going to be guys that that kind of can't hack it. And the more teams are relying on their bullpens, then. Um, you know, the more you're seeing those weaknesses get exposed. So, so yeah, I'm I'm not totally totally freaking out about it either. So it's good to know I'm not the only one. I think bullpens are kind of the most volatile piece in all of baseball. So you'll take the good with the bad. I do. I will say that I don't think the Braves are comfortable with their bullpen at all. And I know for a fact they are not comfortable with a certain member of the bullpen, um, who we'll probably discuss at a later week after the trade deadline next week. We'll see what happens there. Um, but. Megan, I want to drop some news on you. The breaking news that we had in the first segment, which made us late to call you, which made this whole big hull of blue. Did you hear, Megan, that the Mets have made Noah Syndergaard available? What? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much what we said. Yeah, only I kind of yelled and, and got hyped for like 30 minutes. I, that was about the last thing on Earth I expected to hear. But can we have him? Right, please. Uh, and they're out scouting. What do I need to do? They're scouting Double A, and they're actually got a Mets scouts at Triple A. So we are going to be on full hug watch there. I do want to tie this back to the Braves because I'm getting off kilter here, and this is because I happen to be me and I derail segments. Um, so getting back to this Braves team, if we had Thor, that's going to change my outlook on this this team entirely. Not only that, I'm going to have to apologize to Alex Anthopoulos for any crossword I've said to him. If you had Thor, this, this quickly jumps into maybe the most talented Braves team of at least the last 20 years. Maybe you could say that 98 was, was 95 or 96 were more talented overall because you had the three Hall of Fame pitchers. But aside from that type of team, if you were to add a Syndergaard, this might be the most talented team we've ever had aside from that World Series team. I agree 100%. That brings in the pitching. Here we go. 
pull some stress off the bullpen. The offense will be okay. They've proven that before. Get Noah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it'll it'll cost a lot. You know, no matter what, it'll it'll cost a lot. What during the break we were messing with the the baseball trade simulator just to see if there's um, you know, just some just some hypotheticals in there. And even even with that being a rampantly inaccurate device to measure things, we're still just like, yeah, this is gonna take a lot to get two and a half years of uh, of Cindergard. But uh, that that should be the piece. And and they kind of. I mean, you guys were watching games too. The team has looked a little listless since the, since the All Star break a little bit. So e- even with even with sweeping the Padres, so this is that kind of shot in the arm and say, "Oh my God, we're going for it this year." So not only that, I got. If you add in on this, I, I want one of the things that I always want to talk about is how this Brave team stacks up to other Brave teams. Now I'm I, I'm fairly young, I guess, twenty eight, getting old. Um, but for like my entire life up until what 2005 maybe the Braves were really good and for the most part really exciting this Braves team is something different so I, I kind of wanted to ask you two how do you guys rank this Braves team as far as just the excitement factor of other Braves teams that you've watched Go ahead, Betty. um yeah I would, they're pretty exciting the personality is there I feel like and it, it, they've always been They've always been a personality club, but we did have a little bit of a lull there when they when they sucked, basically. Um, but I think it matters a lot. You know, it was like Josh Donaldson, you know, got hit, and it was like a new person came out in that dude. Um, I feel like that was a huge turning point of this team. But, you know, I miss the Andrew Jones and, you know, Chipper and stuff, of course, but I, this team is 100% exciting. I'd say top three easily one of my favorite teams. I'm inclined to agree. I mean, there was, you know, right when we moved, moved back here uh, in 1992. So, so we got just really, really lucky as far as the timing of the teams that we got to see. And, you know, all of the uh, Ron Gant, David justice. And, and like you said, the, the Maddox Gladden and Smoltz and in Steve Avery. And, you know, even the, the team that wound up having Denny Nagel, I can't remember if that was like 97, 98, you know, there was like, it was exciting, but it was just expecting to win. But I was looking at it through a different lens. And now like last year was, totally different than anything that I remember for the past couple of years. And even like the 2013 team, which I liked a lot with Upton and Gaddis. And this is when Hayward was still good. Freeman was still, uh, he was still really young. Like that just, it wasn't quite as exciting. And that might've been BJ Upton's fault, but <laughs> this, this is like, Oh my God. It's so like, no matter what, you can't turn the game off at the end because if the Braves are behind, then you expect the offense to do something thrilling. And if the Braves are ahead, then you expect the bullpen to at least make it interesting. So it's like the whole t- I'm paying so close of attention to everything. So it's up there. Last year was really, really special. The The Donaldson edition is it's a different vibe, but it's still really, really exciting. And I think that the fact that we're expecting them to be good this year might make them less exciting. Maybe last year it was just like a whirlwind because we're like, we were supposed to suck again and we didn't. So, but any team that's got Acuna and Albies and Freeman and Donaldson, I mean, that that's, and Dansby like, out of here. It's amazing. 
I, I'm inclined to agree. Like I said, I was born in 91, so I'm used to just exciting Braves teams up until BJ Upton had to ruin the team. Um, but th- there's such a different dynamic when you have Acuna and Albies, and it's not just because they're they're incredibly talented, which, I mean, it's hard not to already say that Ronald Acuna is one of the most talented players in Braves history. I mean, he's got a chance to go 30-30 this year. He'd be the first person since Ron Gant. But there's just a different vibe here. Like, when, when those two get excited and they get on a roll and Dansby gets involved and the whole team just kind of feeds off it and you got Freddie giving everybody hugs. It's it's just a different type of team. And I think a lot of national people are starting to notice a lot more than maybe they have in previous years. This Braves team doesn't quite look like that whole no fun league, be professional buttoned up that they kind of were in the 90s. And I'm not hating on, on the whole buttoned up thing that they were in the 90s. That's what teams were back then. And the Braves were a staple of it. We can mock the Braves way now. But the fact of the matter is, in the 90s, the Braves were, for lack of a better term, along with the Yankees, they were kind of America's team. And it had to do with the reach and, and how just how many people watched Braves games and how big Braves country was when you consider that there's like eight other states that just don't have a team. But for for my money, this team, it, it's probably going to go down as the most exciting now that we've got Acuna and Albies signed. And... I've almost got no doubts that they're going to challenge for World Series titles, which that's kind of the key mark for both exciting and good. You don't want to be exciting and suck. Well said. (laughs) Very true. Now, along that same vein, because they were they were so much better last year than people anticipated at the start of the year, uh, or really before the season started. There, there comes along with having an exciting team, having really talented players. There comes along with a lot of expectations. So I kind of wanted to get y'all's take on, on what would be a successful season and what would be a disappointment this year. I think anything less than the NLCS is like, yeah. I mean, obviously you want, you want the World Series, but haven't won a playoff series since 2001, I, I think – just will take that step first. You know, I will, I will certainly take a World Series trophy, but I think I think a playoff series win uh, kind of further open everybody's eyes. And going into the offseason where you're going to have free agents and guys that are going to be interested in possibly coming here, I think that could be a really big step. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Don there. Um, you know, we're kind of starting to look like the Nationals a little bit. Like, you know, we make the crack on him a lot about not winning NLE, but we're not doing too hot either, so let's get past the NLE, you know, let's let's, let's win a playoff series, and we'll go from there, but um, give me a World Series this year, please. I have a feeling. I'm kind of along that vein, like, I ha- I've I've never gone into this point in the season like being happy with just winning the NLEs, and I think that's because this team is very talented, and because they're they're all supposed to get better from what they were a year ago. It's always been how do you match up with the Dodgers? And maybe that's just my own hubris a little bit. Like I even now I'm not worried about any matchup that the Braves may face except for the Dodgers. So I don't like to say this, but I still don't think that we're better than the Dodgers. But 
I think in NLCS, I think I agree with you, Doctor. I think NLCS is absolutely the measuring stick of, of what they should be at this year, whether or not they make that big Thor trade or not. Now, if they do add Thor and Edwin Diaz, then now I'm going to say you better win a World Series. Um, I think no matter what your expectations are this season, I think you're at that point where next season is going to be World Series or bust. And while that might not be something that people here in Atlanta are used to holding teams accountable to, I think it's good. I think it's good for the Braves. I think it's good for the management. And if I can jump in, jump in on the, I mean, the Dodgers scared the Jesus out of me, but at the same time, the fact that the, the Braves would wind up facing either the Cardinals or the Cubs, because I think they're, they're tied at the top of the NL central now um, in if the playoffs started today, then that means the Dodgers would wind up getting, say, the either the Nationals or the Phillies. You know, whoever winds up winning the wild card playing game, and in a three game or five, five game series, like crazy things can happen. There's nothing that's guaranteeing that whoever wins the wild card isn't going to be able to beat the Dodgers because if they make the playoffs, then it's obviously a solid team. And like I said, Dodgers are terrifying, but. The Nationals could beat them in a series. The Phillies, if they are able to get in, or it's the Giants or whoever wants them, it, somebody could possibly beat them. And so, if the Braves can take care of their own business, and they might even not, they might not even have to get past the Dodgers. This is my pie in the sky dream, where wild card team comes in and Braves can just coast into the World Series, and then they, you know, it gets easier because they have to play like the Astros or the Yankees or something. Like, great, but. I don't know. Hey, let somebody else take care of the dirty work. Let somebody else do it. Right? No, that's... And I like it. You got to make sure you don't forget. It is really hard to win a pennant three years in a row, even if you are just a better team. It is just... That's a very hard thing to do. It just doesn't happen all that often. Well, about to find out, you know. The the road to the World Series will go through Atlanta. I have I have decreed it or declared it. I, if I had a gavel, I would bang it, but but I don't. I'm sorry. And Doc's never been wrong except All for jinking the Braves. Right. It's. I mean, it is Doc's fault that we lost to the Royals, but that's okay. I'm with Doc on this one. Oh my God! <laughs> it is not. <laughs> you jinxed the club. Everybody knows it. It's okay. Jinxes don't exist. Jinxes are not real. You keep saying that, but it just shows that you've never worn the same pair of socks for three weeks because you're on a hot streak. No, because that's disgusting. That's why I've never done that before. <laughs> Listen, I had to make a sacrifice of flesh when I broke Max Freed. Maybe you need to do the same. Look, you told me how difficult it is to accidentally bang your foot up against like a post. Like I'll I'll do stuff. This would be like a bloodletting ceremony or something. Like I'll, I'll uh, no. Let me give blood. Don't make me give flesh. You already gave flesh. All right, all right. But all right. I know you guys have all been waiting for this moment. Um, Doc, Megan, you guys ready for extra innings? Hell yeah! Oh yeah! See, this is always everybody's favorite part of the show, and usually it's because Doc talks more than I do. So this is going to be different because I did tailor these specifically for you, Megan. I'm going to start off with a very hard one. Are you ready? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so here's your situation. You can either get free tickets to every John Mayer show at the risk of at the cost of every Chick-fil-A closing down forever, or you can have unlimited Chick-fil-A, but you can never listen to John Mayer again. Not go see him, not listen to a CD, nothing. I'm keeping John all day. 
Okay. That's... Easily, yeah. All right. Doc? I can get chicken somewhere else, but I can't get John anywhere. Okay. Now, see, Doc, I would... John, do you hear that? John Mayer. (laughs) We're going to tag him in this one, just so he knows, just so we can hear it. (laughs) I would have said the same thing for Doc and Fish, but... Doc's like super healthy weirdo, so I don't know that he actually has a restaurant favorite that could be on that same vein. Well, it's well, and here's the the flip side too, and I'm sure that it's the same for Megan with with John Mayer. Like even not being able to listen to it, like it, I've heard all these songs so many times. Like it's, take a, a fifth song, like "You Enjoy Myself" or "Reba" or any of these. Like if I want to hear it, I don't have to play it. Like I can chew it up in my head. I know these songs inside and out and backwards. So like. There's part of me where I'm like, fried chicken is like a treat. I don't ever <laughs> get to eat fried chicken. And I can still <laughs> listen to fish in my head. I know how to play some of their songs on guitar, so I can... Does that count as listening to No, them? no, 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 no. It's like that new Beatles movie yesterday. It just... They like, just I've, never existed. I've ne- oh, well... Well, hmm. I'm still going to take... Ooh. I'm still going to take the free tickets to fish because they're very expensive. I, I imagine that like hotels when I travel to go see them, those are not free either. So this is it's too much. I'm taking I'm taking the free fish. Okay. That's respectable. Um would you rather lose a thumb or a big toe? God. Uh, I really like my toes, so I'm gonna go with the thumb. That's weird, but I'm I'd rather walk. It's like you, you would walk weird without a toe, right? That's very true. The thumb effect, the big toe <laughs> affects your balance. That's right. So there. With I'm, thumb, does it matter? What about mm. you, Doc? You going thumb or toe? No, no, that's a good question, though. Is it both thumbs, or is it? Do, do I get to pick the thumb? It's one of each, yeah. and it's going to be, it's going to be the thumb from your right hand, Doc, because you're right handed, right? Yeah. Okay. So it'd be you're not a you're not one of those ten percent who have been cursed with left handedness. So it'd be your right thumb or your right big toe. Oh, I gotta go with the toe. I would because uh, like I ran for so long, right? But I I ran so much for so long that like I can't I can't I don't have the same passion for it anymore. Like I've, I've ruined my knees. Like when I walk upstairs, I can hear my knees are like Rice Krispies. So like. It, I, I will take walking weird, but like being able to write properly or play guitar or whatever. Like I, I can't lose my thumbs. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. weird, weird about my hands. So, so how about yeah, you? Like holding Blaine? a fork. Yeah, forget about it. Like <laughs> you don't even have the chance to like do like the fist grip with it you know what i mean because it's like uh, i'm actually holding my hand in a fist right now this is not like i know i'm like moving my fingers all around (laughs) (laughs) trying to figure out how it works so so you yeah so you would lose a thumb i would lose a toe dylan you were the tiebreaker (sighs) i think i'm gonna go with the toe because i'm not going to be able to hold like a sandwich right i'm going to only be able to hold it in like one hand Uh, there, there's just a lot of things I need that thumb for. And, you know, being a guy that used to play baseball and still likes to pick up a ball, you can't do anything with no thumb with no thumb. And, and it just looks weird. Like people already hate feet. I've already got, you know, hobbity feet anyway. So that toe can just go ahead and go. I don't care. <laughs> do you have like super hairy toes? Like, 
<laughs> a little bit, yes. And they're they're big, giant feet, so that that toe can go. It's okay. Nobody will miss it. Sarah might actually be happier if that happened. Keep your shoes on. Right. All right. Well, that took a wrong turn. That wasn't supposed to turn into making fun of me. Um, Megan, this one I did because I know you have at least one of these that I've already heard about, but I want to hear if there's anything better. Your most awkward encounter with a celebrity or an athlete. (laughs) Um, Cam Newton, I would say. Um, Basically had me removed from one of his seven versus seven football games. Because I was taking too many pictures and getting too close. That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> <was> pretty awkward. <laughs> we, like somebody come over, like somebody wearing like a yellow shirt, like, ma'am, you need, you need to back up. Were you yeah, warned? They, um, I wasn't really warned. It was kind of awkward because they let me do it for about four hours. And then we were all leaving at the same time. And, you know, it's just a, like high school kids playing football. It might be a little creepy that I showed up. Um, but I knew he was there. So out in the parking lot, um, three huge men approached me and basically were like, if you post any of that footage or share any of your videos, you will be prosecuted and don't come back here. Did he get shown up by a high schooler or something? Do what? Did he get shown up by a high schooler or something? Some little high school kid picked him off or something? (laughs) I mean, there were some Malvi kids there, um, you know, that he basically just coaches these little seven versus seven high school tournaments. It's basically like travel league football for high school kids that play football. Um, And he coaches them. So he was just here. They had a little game here on a Saturday and a Sunday. And I was just watching closely, like right (laughs) behind him. I guess that was a little too close. So, I mean, that kind of, you know, ruined my Cam Newton dream, but still my quarterback. We'll have to fix that. That one's going to what about What about you, Doc? You have a long list of, of stories. Do you have an awkward one? Um, yeah. Like, okay, so I've told the story about, like, how I got to meet Max Freed. I shook his hand. It was like a real mad handshake. And then I shook Sean Newcomb's hand, and it was like a limp fish. Um, Newcomb just looked like he was over it. But when this happened, this was at Chop Fest last year, and it was like a they like six different Braves came up, and it was like a selfie line or something. And I'm like, come on, dude, I'm like 35, don't make me take selfies with these guys. But it was it was Freed and Newcomb and like a bunch of former Braves. There was like Adam McCreary, uh, Akil Morris, and Arodis Vizcaino, and they were cool. But Jacob Lindgren was there. You remember Jacob Lindgren, like the strikeout <laughs> machine or strikeout factory? Yeah. The guy who was hurt literally every year forever, and all I kept hearing every offseason was, he's going to break out? Yeah, like never threw a competitive pitch for the Braves, I don't think. But I, he, he did not look like he was having a very good time. And oh. I was like, we're going down the line, and I you know, met McCreary, and he's a giant, and I met Akil Morris, and his head was shaped like a triangle and, <laughs> and all this different stuff. And, and I get down to Jacob Lindgren, and he looks at me and he's like, basically, what the hell do you want? And I'm like, hey, hey, man, how's your Tommy John recovery going? And as soon as I said that, he was like, oh, okay, this guy's cool. He knows what's up. I'm like, whatever. I'm going to go shake Max Freed's hand. He's actually going to throw a competitive pitch for us. And that's that's kind of all I got. But I've never, I'm always like, whatever. As soon as I saw him get released and then picked up by the Black Sox, I was like, 
whatever. You suck. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's my uncomfortable story. What about you? I mean, you you've got plenty, I'm sure. Not many that are super awkward. Um, just some from guys that I don't like now. Like Alex Rodriguez came into the radio station, um, oh. and um, he looked at me and asked me for a coffee. Uh, so I showed him the coffee machine and like he was expecting me to go get him a coffee and you, you didn't get him a latte. No, it's like, uh. just kind of like, dude, no, like I, 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 he didn't say anything. We didn't even speak after that. It was just kind of like, here's the coffee machine, man. Oh, he didn't make himself a coffee. He just kind of. I was like, okay. Uh, I didn't get a, hey, what's up, man? I'm Alex Rodriguez or, or none of that. Just walked away and that was. It was very <laughs> awkward. There's some other ones that I can't really share on air because I'll get in trouble, but um, that was probably the most I annoying can. one. What did you say? The those. <laughs> right yeah that was um that that was pretty annoying so not only do i hate a rod the player um i also hate a rod the broadcaster and now i hate a rod the guy so full circle full panel hate 696 <laughs> home runs and still can't get his own copy right like no 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 i am not your servant man but anyway i digress i will i will shout about a rod for like three hours so we gotta move on um my last question for you, Megan. This is something we do with everybody when they come on the show, at least for the first time. You got to tell an embarrassing childhood story, or just an embarrassing story. Period. Embarrassing story. Um. Oh, I have a great one. Um. You can't just retell the Cam Newton story. <laughs> I was gonna say that was pretty horrifying, but nobody was there, so. Um. Okay, um, I think I'm going to go with my high, high school. There was a time, I think I was a junior, I was nominated for, like, not homecoming, but something they do during the winter, like basketball princess or something, and during halftime, I was sitting up in the bleachers and getting ready to walk down to the basketball court so everyone could watch me get a crown, and I tumbled down the bleachers in like five inch heels and a dress <laughs> and curly hair and just everything that nobody knew me for because I was such a tomboy. So it was already a scene that I was wearing such things and uh, those five inch heels got the best of me and the noise, y'all. The freaking noise on those old wooden bleachers. Are you kidding me? It was like the record stopped. Like and everyone in the gym, watched me tumble to my demise, but I got my crown, so. <laughs> so it was well worth it, then. Oh, my God. That's good. Are these, like, those old wooden bleachers that, like, collapse? You know, yep. you would pull them out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those Yeah, somebody had to roll them in. Yeah, loud. <laughs> loud. Loud. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really I good think, one. Think. Do you have any undiscovered ones, Doc? Oh, geez. Um, did I ever tell you about the time I drank a Coke can full of bees? <laughs> no, please do. Oh. All right. I mean, this was, I was like two, three. I was super young. This is, my brother was, 
playing at a baseball game and I was on, uh, I think my, my mom and my dad and I were sitting on the, the metal bleachers and, um, apparently, uh, I don't know if it was a can like full of, there were like 70 bees in there or anything, but it was like, I took a sip of this Coke can and there was a bee in it. And I think I got stung on the inside of the mouth. And as tends to happen when you're anywhere between two and five years old, if a bee stings you on the inside of your mouth, I freaking screamed bloody murder. I anymore i'm not really into like making a scene but i back then i didn't give a damn and i totally totally made a scene um and this has all been recounted to me this is like 1986 i don't remember this happening but yeah apparently i drank a coke can full of bees i also sat on a tire swing that had i think a bee's nest in it and um i got stung in the stung in the rear end a whole bunch so (laughs) No bee-related incidents in the past couple of years, but uh, but yeah. So believe it or not, um, I, I still have a lot more embarrassing childhood stories <laughs> to probably pull from. I bet my girl was a tough movie for you, huh? Oh yeah. Dang. Well, I mean, at least at least I didn't die. Wait, did I just give away spoilers yeah, to, to my girl? So uh, Ooh, one of the sorry, worst Nicolas Cage movies ever. Wait, what's that? Hey, yeah. You ever see The Wicker Man? No. no. No, what? Okay. Okay, I'm not going to ruin this for you. Just just wiki, uh, Wikipedia, the Wicker Man. This is the, the Nicolas Cage, right? Yeah. Oh, that's I've seen that scene. That's, yeah, <laughs> not the bees. Not the bees. <laughs> it's like the most overacted scene in history. You know I got a soft spot for Nicolas Cage overacting. I did quote Con Air as one of my my best worst movies ever made. That's true. You did. No bees in that one, though. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I have like 10,000 embarrassing things that have ever happened to me. Did I ever tell you about me and the electric fence? I don't know if it was during an episode, but I have heard the story, but I don't know if everybody else has. I have not. So okay. Okay. So I was probably 13 or 14. Maybe Uh, I was hanging out with, with my best friend at the time, me and him and his brother and my brother were all friends. We hung around each other since we were like five. So um, they had horses. So they had an electric fence to keep all the animals in there. And they had a bunch of animals like goats and horses and, and all that crap. So, we're playing outside. We're doing whatever it is we're doing at that age. So most likely we're throwing things at each other and, and just being stupid. Um, so it starts raining and we didn't really want to go inside. And we, we had this weird thing where like we would always try to one up the other one. Like his mother would pet sit. So we'd go around bulls and one of the games that we would play is to go in there and smack the bull on the backside and run around the pin for as long as you can and the person that lasted longest before they jumped outside the fence won somehow we never got trampled but for whatever weird reason today i had decided i'm gonna piss on the electric fence i'm gonna i'm gonna see if there's no way it works and and they won't do it and i'll, I'll win the day so everybody's oh like no don't do that that's dumb it's gonna hurt it's like nah it'll be fine um so pouring down rain i pissed on an electric fence it does in fact travel up and hurt um so there's 13 or 14 year old me laying on the ground in the mud just this high-pitched 
squeal. I can't call it a scream. It really was like this super squeal, and I'm getting shivery just thinking about it now. Um, I would call it embarrassing. I would also call it one of the dumbest things I've done, and I've done a lot of dumb things in my life. But, yeah, if you're ever thinking about that scientific experiment of, oh, will it actually travel up urine? Yes, it will. Do not do it. You know, we talked about Ortega from the Royals getting hit in the junk by a fastball, and somehow that wasn't the most painful story uh, or reference to getting hit in the nuts uh, that wound up in this segment. How long has this segment been? Like 35 minutes? Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of genitals. Um, It was... um it was it, they were it was very very numb and hurt a lot for a long time. I'll say that. So that's wow. where you went wrong. Pretty much, that's that's, that's pretty happened. much what ruined me for the rest of my life. And since then, I've been an embarrassing story magnet. I'm glad you what guys did... could find out about the time I pissed on an electric fence. Uh, <laughs> We are, as Doc mentioned, we are severely over this segment uh, from from what it was supposed to be. So, Megan, thanks so much for coming on with us today. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, just want to give a quick shout out to Brave Diva, my number two. What up, girl? So Tara gets in twice in an episode. That's pretty much par for the course of what she deserves. But uh, thank you so much, and thanks for being a patron. Uh, and if you guys want to have your shot to get on the show, you can become a patron as well. You can go to our Patreon page, which you can find on the Twitter site. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thank you.